But if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to turn to James chapter 3. Um, We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 this morning and how it relates into our lives and what God has been speaking in my spirit. Because he says, you might be gimpy, but you're still preaching on Sunday. I had a couple of volunteers hit me up and say, hey, are you going to be up to preach on Sunday? I said, well, the Lord keeps telling me I got to preach this Sunday, so I guess I got to. And they said, okay, are you sure? And then I got a call, you still don't want me to preach this week? I said, no, the Lord won't let me. So I got that. So, Sister Yetta, if you'll put that first scripture up on the board there, and we're going to go in and just read through it, and then we'll just, we'll get into the meat of it. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in the what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in our mouths, of the horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well lord you've took the scripture you've given it to me this week you've got to let me have the words to speak lord lord i know where i'm at i know where my mind wants to go and i know the notes are not there but lord let it be the edification that those that are in this body lord need to hear so that they can be mighty men and women of valor lord that you've called them to be Lord, I praise you for what you're doing in this church. I praise you for what you're doing today. And I give it all to you. And everybody said? The truth is, when I was looking at this, and I I was really debating, I wanted to go back to James chapter 2 and talk about faith without works is dead and all that stuff. Because I've heard that, that message so many times, and I could probably verbatimly tell you what somebody else preached. Because I've loved the meat that comes in it. But when the Lord says, no, I want you to go to this, and I'm like, God, this is a, a hard word to say because it's, it's one that seems like it's more edificational for the body that, of people that are leaders, people that are teaching and all this stuff. And he says, no, it's for the whole body. You see, there's a truth in there that we have to understand because the thing is, words matter. Trust me, I know. My wife tells me all the time, I'm going to kill you if you say my name in the pulpit yet again. She says my words matter proof no but the truth is i mean words matter they have an edificational ability to lift people up or tear people down and we live in a world where us as human beings we want to know that we matter and sometimes our words are our ways to make people realize that we matter can i get an amen you know, you've gone through seasons in your life where everything's falling apart and all you want to do is go to the one person and cry and, 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 and go through the emotions and let them know, I'm still alive and I'm still living in a mess and all this stuff. They matter. Words have an ability to show that we have an importance and a matter, an ability to articulate what we're dealing with. And it, it shows our, our nature because our words need to be heard. But at the same time, words are also sharper than a two-edged sword. I don't always think of it because I don't say a lot of words outside of the pulpit because my wife says I'm too quiet all the time. She says, what are you doing? Are you listening to me? Are you going to talk back? And then there's other days I'm looking at her going, honey, what are you doing? Are you going to talk back? You you know, I just got to be real, and I know, I know. 
this is a weird word to speak to, but the words that we say matter because they're sharper than a two-edged sword. I can look at my wife and say, I love you. And that one word of I love you means I'm ripping her a new one because she thinks I'm so angry and all this stuff because of the condemnation of my tone and my voice and all these different things. I say, I love you. And she says, you think I'm ugly? No, I don't think you're ugly. What are you doing? And she's like, no! Better yet, my kids. Let me relate this to my kids here. If you're new to the church, you've never been here. I have five daughters, ages almost 14 to three years old. And I have to articulate words in a manner and a fashion and articulate it in a, in a mannerism so that I can articulate the, the, the intention of what I'm trying to ask them to do in a way that's not going to cause them to go crying off into a corner because I sound too dictatorship and mean and all these different things. And I try to get it out there to them and they still look at me like, what? Words matter. Can I get that? Can you just look at your neighbor and just say, my words matter? Let's see. So when I look at my girls and I'm like, um, hey, I need you to go and, and, and do these dishes over here. And they're like, but why? Words matter. Because I said so. But why? Child, if you don't get in there, you're going to get my... You know what I'm talking about. If you've been a parent for more than two seconds, you know how fast and angry you can get when a kid keeps asking, but why? But what I'm trying to get at is words matter with the intention of what it is. Because words, on the first point that I'm going to say today, show us who we are. Our words show who we are. Can I just get a little real with you, everybody, this morning? I wasn't always saved once. At one point in time, my words matched more of a sailor than it does a pastor. At one point in time, my words matched the world's idea of, of what a human should be more than what Christ says. I would walk around and I would cuss you up and down, left and right, just because you cut me off. It showed an inclination within my heart of who I was at the time. Words show us, show off everybody around us that hear the words that we say in a manner and a form that, that, that just translates either we're good or bad. I can walk into a place and I can listen to people because I love to people watch. My wife does too. And I love it because we sit around and we just sit on a bench and we just watch people and watch them interact and it's just, you watch Sally go and just fix Charlie's bow tie and all this stuff. And then you watch her go and rip him a brand new one because he didn't buy her the flowers she wanted. I don't even know who Sally and Charlie are, but we'll just get to that later. But our words show off our nature. And when I was reading through the text and God was saying, your words matter, they show who you are, he's saying that the church needs to start looking at the inwardness and saying, what am I saying? What am I dealing with? What is it that's edified within me that lets these things come through the, the, the way that it comes through, that it can hurt or, or, or hinder or even grow or edify in whatever fashion that I'm trying to go for? In my own relationship with my kids, I'm looking at them and I'm really trying to be patient with them. My 14-year-old is the one that's caused all my hair to fall out. And I looked at her and I said, 
sweetheart, I need you to do this because this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I come back two hours later, the job's still not done, and I'm looking at her going, Lid, what did I do wrong that I didn't articulate this matter? And then I get a conversation with my wife. She says, Dad's always mad at us because I never do what he ever asks and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, words matter. But the inclination that my kids are realizing as I'm going through and slowly, patiently trying to explain the issue and the trouble at hand is one that I'm trying to show love in a manner and a fashion that they need to understand. Church, we've lived this life for how long that you've been breathing and we still do not fully understand the complications that our words get us into. I can get into a situation where I can get so spitfire mad at somebody, but I can still go and love on them. And I'm showing a different nature and a mannerism to show them that they have value. Apparently, even under anesthetic at the surgery center, I'm still over here praying for people, words that I don't even know that I said, and I'm trying to edify their bodies and their lives by being intentional, even drugged up, because there's an inclination within my heart. How many people have I seen in the world today that are the exact opposite? Where they take their words and they let them be the detriment because you don't give them what they want. Can I say that again? We live in a selfish, dying world. My kids, they always tell me, oh, I want to be a YouTube influencer. I'm going to make a million dollars doing YouTube videos. My youth kids used to say that too, and I'm like, why can't we get back to you want to be an NFL star and you're going to go and make money that way? At least that's got some more effort in it than just standing in front of a camera dancing and doing these what, I don't even know what they do on YouTube anymore. Man, I hit 40 and I feel like I got old, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> Man, Tyler. Oh. If you're not, I know if you're watching this later or listening to this, you're going to just... You're going to be lost, but, but the truth is, as we seem like we get older, we seem like we start becoming more knowledgeable about different things, but at the same time, we lose our knowledge about other things. But your words show who you are. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Do you not know that the word, or that the, you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells within you? If you are God's temple, and his spirit dwells within you, and your words are coming out that are not sounding like God's words, let me tell you right now, the measuring stick is going to tell something different. The measuring stick's going to say, that's not some clean water coming out of there. The measuring stick's going to say, that's not exactly what it is, because your words are always showing off what is going on in you. And what James is getting at when he's talking about it in James chapter 3, verse 1 and through 3, he says, some of you should become teachers, but not all of you. Could you imagine any Joe Schmo getting up into a pulpit proclaiming God and doing all that he has and we would see a whole mixed up, messed up, whole wishy-washy gospel going around? But it's because of what James is trying to bring to light, even not in the pulpit, but in our daily lives, is that we need to be the representation of God to this world. And it's always going to come through the words that we speak. 
It's going to be the intentions of our hearts. It's going to be the dwelling place of where God's Spirit dwells within us that pours out the blessings and the truths that the world needs to have. We need to have that because not all of us are called to be teachers, but we're all called to be proclaimers. We're not all called to get up into a microphone and and be up here doing this illustrious job and thinking that this is all and we've arrived when the truth is we haven't arrived yet. I talked about Brother Eddie getting questions that the kids are stumping him on and guess what? It happens to me sometimes too. I don't know enough, but I know the one that knows enough and I'm always looking to make sure the word that I speak is aligned to the one that spoke it first. And the same is true for us. We have to have that. And that's always going to come because words also show our experiences. The words that we speak always show what we've been through. Brother Steve calls everybody cupcakes. And he keeps telling me I was never a Marine yet because I was in the Army because of his experiences. But the truth is, the experiences we endure and get through are the edification that allows us to be bolder voices of who God called us to be. I can only imagine what Peter looked like when he first met Jesus. It said he talked pretty like a sailor, didn't he? It said he wasn't always the most educated. It said he wasn't always the most articulate with his words. He was more quick with the sword than he was any word that he ever spoke. But when we start looking in the Gospels and we start seeing his letters and we start reading his first message that he spoke in Acts chapter 2 and we start understanding that the depth of his experiences that come through the words that he lived through transformed his ability to articulate it. I look at my life and I see an example that I don't always agree with. I've been through some junk, I've been through some stuff, and all these things, and I know that they've done all things together to work together for the good of those who love and pursue after God. But there have been moments that I've said, God, I don't want to deal with this stuff. I don't want to deal with the experiences. I don't want them to be the things that I have to speak out because of the boldness and the truth that came through the end story. It's like my mom in, 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 in Florida. Her house was devastated. And all I could say was, Mom, what's going on? And I looked at the the images of of Fort Myers, and I'm like, oh, this is horrible. And I've seen the destruction over and over again from forest fires, from, from, from famines, from ice storms hitting Texas. It seems like it's a tragedy after tragedy. But all I keep seeing is God saying my experiences are going to make people bold enough. All I keep hearing God saying is we're going to go through the junk to get us to where we can realize that we can raise our hands a little higher and be bold enough to get through it all. There's been seasons in my life that I wish God would say, let this cup pass. He doesn't need to go through it. But let me tell you, if I hadn't gone through the experiences, if you hadn't gone through that tragedy, that loss, that, didn't, that did just a difficult season, could you imagine where your hands would be right now? They'd probably still be sitting in your pocket thinking everything was squishy and good. When God is trying to say is, it's time that you realize that you're not all of it. 
Your words are always going to be the expression of your experience because what you've gone through are always going to be the thing that proclaims God's goodness. And that's what we need to have more in the church today. We need to have more bold people willing to proclaim His goodness over all the bad that we've went through. My marriage was a wreck. Oh, no, God's still good. My bank account's... Nope, God's still good. You lost your job today. God's still good. God is able to write the story if we'll allow Him, and His words will always be the thing that shows us what's going on. Like, like Paul. Paul had great words and intentions with teaching, but when he had that experience on the Damascus Road, his experiences changed who he was. And what I feel God is trying to say today is that our experiences will always get us greater. I'm waiting to see what my experience with this broken arm that I got going right now is going to be as I'm more reliant on people than I'm ever used to. But God is still greater. And what God is trying to tell you this morning is that God is willing to do whatever it takes to give you some boldness in your speech because your words matter. And what he was telling us in James is that there are going to be people that have imperfected speech. Let me tell you, I've met some really bad preachers in this world. I've met some really great preachers in this world. I've met some really bad laity people in this world. But what I've seen is it's the same God that's still trying to do the same thing. He's trying to put his word in their mouth. Because if we're able to have a clear and concise speech, we can control the rest of this horrible flesh. But it's got to come through the experiences of where we're with God. It's got to come through the, the relationship within him where he says that we could put a bridle inside of a horse's mouth and tell it which way to go. The same is true for his word, but we're so anti-hungry for this. We don't want to read it. We don't want to let it go into our lives. We don't want it to change us. We're perfect just the way we are. But what he's saying is if you'll put this in your heart and let this be the thing that comes through your mouth where it says love your neighbor as yourself, where it says love the Lord God with everything you have, where it says hold on to me and I will give you rest when you're weary. It also says that he is the one that can give it all. If we would put that into our experience book, then we would understand that everything that God is telling you to do and the words that you're called to proclaim will be the powerful edification of the salvation. As God moves in those that you don't even realize you're witnesses to. But in the last point that I have today, because I'm keeping it short and simple and sweet, because that's what I feel God's saying to do this morning, is that your words will be taken into an account. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. But Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For me, that's a scary thought. For me, that's a very difficult word because all it takes is just a little slip and I'm like, Lord, I need you to wash this out of my mouth. Lord, I need you to take this difficult, this thing from me. But I'd rather live a life where I don't have to worry about that because I've had the experiences. Sister Mitchell, the other day, she didn't realize this, but 
she, she read a devotional thing at the Men in Faith and Women of Worth. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a time where we just kind of get together and we fellowship. Because we need fellowship together. But it was in her devotion that she read that really just took heart with where I feel that God is saying to go. She read about how a rabbi and a, and a, and a minister were uh, on a plane and, and, he, and they had a conversation about using the Lord's name in vain. For years, I've always related it to using it in a derogatory term, like my kids going, Jesus, in the wrong way, or all these different things. But when she read the story and the way she articulated, the way it's written in the account, where it talks about a CEO's daughter is the representation of the CEO. You see, she could be telling people that I'm the CEO's daughter, you need to do everything I do, and everybody's going to think that she's a spoiled, entitled brat and thinking that everything needs to go in her manner and her fashion. It's in those natures that we see the vainness that comes through, the hardness that comes through the heart of those. But what God is trying to tell the church, we're all supposed to be proclaimers. And if we're meant to proclaim, we can't have a hardness in our heart. Scripture reminds us that it says that he'll give us a heart of flesh that removes this heart of stone if we'll allow him to. It talks about how, how we can surrender it all, but what it also talks about is that we have to be humble. See, the aspect of not using the Lord's name in a vain sense in a manner is to understand that we're his representation. Jesus walked this world. For 33 years, he walked this world. He grew up. He dealt with the hardships and all these things, and yet he still said, I love you more, and I will die on a cross for you. He says, I'll do the miracles, I'll do the wonders, but I'll pay your price. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be the representation of my Father. And what he's asked the church even more steadily today is, what are you going to do? Are we going to walk around thinking that we're holier than thou because we are saved and treat people so horrible with the words we speak? Oh, you need to just give me this because I'm a child of God. Or are we going to start walking around in a manner where we realize that we're supposed to love each other intentionally and full all out? You see, we've struggled. The church has been struggling for so many years. And I've witnessed it. I've read about it. I've done all the research into it. As I've, as I've walked into this, this, this Christian life that I have found in my journey, because I wasn't always saved once, but it was because I had experienced people that were willing to be like, the, like God's children who are representations of the one and true living God where their words truly mattered in a manner and a fashion. We're able to articulate it in a way that said, okay, if, if you're going to treat me like this, how much better is God going to treat me like this? No, you, I don't have to be used by you. I can just be blessed by you? Oh, I don't have to deal with the negative words because I'm a sinful person. But you loved me enough to walk into my life and tell me that you love me and that makes me want to transform my life in a different manner and in a different fashion? 
See, our words will become into account at the end times. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus and how it says it washes all that iniquity away. But at the same time, I don't want to get up there and see a giant list of every negative word I've ever said. I don't want to be a stumbling block for anybody that ever comes into the church to never deny Christ. Did I say that right? To ever deny Christ. I want to be the vessel and the beacon that says I love God with everything I have within me, that my words will always be the measure and the experiences of the goodnesses of God. I'd rather love people where they're at with my words so that they can see God's goodness is better than that. See, church, that's a hard word to speak to because so many of us live in a world where we are still living attached to the world. But we have to be reminded that we have to be able to wholeheartedly lead our bodies in a direction that God's called us to. If you'll stand with me this morning. For the first time in about six months, I actually did my whole notes. I don't know if that's good or bad. But I want to ask you this morning, if you had every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your journey with what you felt God saying to do or what you've been struggling with. But if you this morning feel that the Holy Spirit is, is, is pulling on your heartstrings saying, I need you to move a little deeper in a relationship with me, and you, and you feel that you needed to say a prayer this morning, just shoot your hand up this morning. One, I see two. Is there anybody else this morning? See, right now I'm already rejoicing for two hands. But I feel like there's somebody else this morning that needs just to acknowledge it within their hearts. That the Holy Spirit's saying, it's time to get right. It's time to start looking to me instead of looking to your own hands. Is there anybody else? I'll give you a few more minutes and then we're going to pray real quick. Is there anybody else? It might be you online. If it's you online, just text. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I ask that you just touch us, Lord, this morning. Lord, this is a different sermon, Lord. This is a different spirit, though, Lord, that we've had in this church in a while. But God, I'm thankful for different. Lord, I'm thankful that our words have an ability to, to truly be the representation of who you are in our lives. But God, I need you just to come, Lord, right now and let us put the new word of bridled into our mouths. Let it be the edification of what you need us to be, Lord, as it leads us to the way and the people that you need us to speak to, God. Lord, touch us, Lord, as you give us new victories, Lord. Touch us as you give us new experiences, Lord. Touch us as you lead us into a place that is greater than we'd ever witness, Lord, because we trust you with everything. But God, I need you to come, Lord, right now and just touch the entire body this morning, whether they raise their hands or not. And I need you just to speak upon them, Lord. Holy Spirit, invade them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And let them become a little bit bolder today. Let them become a little bit wiser today as they learn to hunger and thirst after your righteousness. But God, set us in a place where we can be what you need us to be. A church in motion. A church that's willing to be loyal and loud, Lord, to where we're not going to go quietly into the night, but we're still going to love people with the true integrity that you've given us. Lord, let us be the intentional people that you've called us to be, a peculiar people.
as we walk in your will, Lord. Lord, I praise you for this church. I praise you for what you've done in this body, Lord. I praise you for this message. But Lord, I ask you, let it be the edification that you need, either if it's for those that are hearing it today or they're hearing it down the road. Lord, just touch us, Lord. Be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, Church, I love you all. And I'm thankful for every single one of you that came this morning. I look forward to seeing you carpet, but more importantly, I look forward to seeing you next week. I look forward to seeing you guys out and about. I look forward to just watching what God is going to do. I truly believe he's got his hand on those affected by Hurricane Ian. I truly believe he's got his hand on those affected with COVID. I truly believe that he's got his hand today, right now, on the heart of this nation as we get ready to see a revival come. But it's going to start within us first. So let us go home. Let us spend more time with the Heavenly Father. Let us start asking Him to give us the words to speak. And let us be the representation that He's called us to be. So let's go and be the church to the community because this is just a building. Until next week, I love you guys.